Super Bowl champion. Iverson steps over to Ron Lewis. him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. From Lancaster to Levittown, Allentown to Hokessin, Philly sports is a way of life, and we've got you covered. This is the Dell Valley Sports Pod. <laughs> Welcome in. It is the Dell Valley Sports Pod, episode number 32. We are back after a holiday week break. Uh, Dan, I don't know about you. I was hoping that a week off, we didn't have to complain about a win against the Giants. We'd be able to go into the new year celebrating that maybe this team was finally back on track. And you know what? It couldn't be the moat like the further from the opposite of that. Yeah, I I was so in my I was so optimistic that my biggest worry is, well, we're gonna win all these games, but no matter how much we win, it's not gonna convince us, you know, of anything. But of course we're gonna win because we're better than these garbage worst teams in NFL teams meaning the Giants times two and the Cardinals um but I assume we'll win but like what will we be able to learn from that you know even if we win by 20 it's the worst teams in the NFL jokes on me we just lost to the Cardinals by four points we just let up 35 points to the Cardinals ah ah we got out coached by the Cardinals, uh. by the guy, Mr. Jonathan Gannon, who was our defensive coordinator last year and took the job in Arizona before the Super Bowl, and by all intents and purposes, butchered his defensive game plan. Everyone in Philadelphia hates Jonathan Gannon because he basically lost us the Super Bowl, or at least played a part in it. And then he comes in here and torches us with Greg Dortch. We got torched by Dorch and Michael Carter and people who haven't played a good game all season. We let up 450 yards to that offense. Colin, Greg Dorch, Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore, Elijah Higgins, uh, Michael Carter. How many of these? Honestly, we could probably include Trey McBride. How many of those guys did you start on your fantasy football team this year? I saw Trey McBride being started on a couple. Uh, other than that, none of none of them. He's usually good. You know why he's usually startable? Because he's usually the only guy that they can throw the ball to. <laughs> Pretty much. Greg Dorch is like a Travis Fulgham. Greg Dorch is like a Greg Ward. You know, he's their number yeah, one a- wide receiver. For the week, you mean, or, or for the season? Essentially for the season, because Rondell Moore didn't pan out. Well, it's Marquise Brown was the wide receiver one. He got yeah. hurt several weeks ago. Rondell Moore has been like one of the he's been like a Tony type guy where he's super fast, but he they just can't figure out how to get him into a receiver. Uh, that's why they throw so many. They do so many weird plays with him, whether it be handing it off to him or doing a quick bubble screen, because he just can't figure out the route tree, I guess. Um, so we're left. With Greg Dorch and this guy, Michael Wilson, who is a rookie question mark. I don't know Michael yeah. Wilson, admittedly. I I knew the name coming in. I don't know much about him. 
Uh, frankly, I don't care to know much about him. But, yeah, they said he hadn't caught a pass in like a month and then had 35 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Had oh, not man. caught a pass in, I think, five weeks leading into this game. And he looked like a stud wide receiver. I had never heard Greg Dorch's name prior to Sunday. I didn't know Michael Carter played for the Cardinals. Last time I looked, he was still a Jet. I didn't know he was still in the league. He he was with the Jets this year. There were a couple different times during the year where he was getting into it in the sidelines, although everyone on that sideline, of course, is frustrated and getting into it. He got waived several weeks ago. Cardinals were like, we'll pick him up because we don't have any talent on our team. So we got some room for Michael Carter. Well, Michael Carter put Shaq Leonard on skates. On skates for, uh, what was it, an eight-yard six-yard touchdown, the only catch for Carter, though. He did run for 61 yards. Michael Carter? Oh, my gosh. Michael Carter? How about this? James Conner and Michael Carter both had season highs for rushing yards. Both of them! That's, that's, that's disgusting. As Michael Carter's only touchdown this year! Dude, I, it just... You can see it while watching the game, but going back and rewatching the game, seeing the futility of the defense is just sad. Mm-hmm. And and it's it the far departure from where they were leading into the bye. They were leading the, the league in rushing defense with 66 yards per game, I believe. And since then, giving up 150 per game. I don't know what happened over the bye week, but they forgot how to play run defense. And it's been slowly happening, of course, over the last several weeks. It hasn't been the same team very much in in most aspects. It's been like, obviously, first half of the season versus second half of the season. But certainly, as far as the rush defense goes, second half of the season, this has been an unrecognizable team compared to the first half of the season. It's a little confusing as to why, just because most of these same guys are in that box. I know... It just feels like Cunningham can't be a big enough guy as to why the run game sucks all of a sudden, right? He's the one big linebacker that's missing. But apart from that, you know, you talk about you added, of course. Um, oh, my gosh, help. Jack Leonard? Well, yeah, recently, and- but the safety. Um, oh, Byard. Yeah, Byard. Can't believe I forgot his name. You added him, and I could see how that he's maybe not as good in the run defense as some of the other guys you had in, but at the end of the day, usually when, when a team or stats change that much, you start losing that. Usually there's like a big injury or something, you know, absolutely. It hasn't really been the case in our defense apart from the, the cornerback situation with slay, but that's not, he's not a run defense guy, of course, you know? So, <sighs> Yeah, and then the coach change. Now what What do you do now? If you're Sirianni, are you going to go back to the other guy who was clearly better just by default of Patricia? You know, do you know this, Colin? Do you know how many times the Cardinals, four and whatever it was, four and ten, do you know how many times the Cardinals punted against us this past game? They had zero punts. They didn't punt once! They're the fourth worst offense in the league and they did not punt once 
They had they didn't 40... punt one time. We didn't see you, 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 Cardinals butter. I don't know his name. Didn't see him. So how could I? I think that he and Britton Covey just went and, and ate lunch the whole time. Britton Covey, we didn't see him because they didn't punt the ball one time. Are you kidding it's... me? I bet you I haven't looked it up, but I would put a lot of money on the Cardinals probably have punted in every other game this year. That would be a, a educated guess that I would be willing to make. I would I would probably follow you on said bet. It's it's just the the defense can't get off the field. They gave up four uh, 39 minutes and 39 seconds of time of possession to the opposing team. You watch the game and they're just like five yards, seven yards, nine yeah. yards, six yards, five. There's no they have one sack, right? Jalen Carter. That was it. The the defense looked okay in the in the first half. Well, it helped that you know Sidney Brown had a 99-yard interception return, which oh. was nice. That was nice to see. It that was, was awesome. Beautiful return. Yeah. This, okay. This stamina. I, I I want you to finish your thought. I don't want to go off this tangent yet. We'll get to it. I, all I'm saying is 21-6. I was sitting down at halftime. I went to go get calamari at the pizza joint up the road because I was like, all right, if I show up, you know, five minutes late in the second half, it's not going to be that bad. And then I get back, start eating, me and Courtney, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Just, they're getting pounded right in the face, right at the gut, running the ball. And then when they don't run the ball, some wide receiver's wide open because a linebacker can't cover them. Yeah. It's futile. It's the definition of pathetic. Go ahead with your point on Sidney hey. Brown. because Oh, I, my I, gosh. I, Just to your point of drives, they, uh -huh. the Cardinals had – what four drives in the second half? How many touchdown on touchdown on every one? Touch four out of four drives ended in touchdowns. And to your point, again, to your point, ten plays, nine plays, eight plays, seven plays. We're not talking about oh man, they broke the top off the defense. Good for them, you know, a perfect. 30, 40 yard pass. We're talking about five to ten yard gains over and over and over and over again. Um, and then in the first half, obviously. Um, there was the interception, but apart from that, they had a, a field goal, two field goals. So only three drives. Um, I mean, I guess technically they got the ball back for with like 10 seconds at the end of the first half, but obviously that could have been a kneel down. Um, yeah. So to the point of the Sidney Brown return, did it like amaze you that he was still running full speed at the end of that? <laughs> Yes, dude. They did not talk about that enough on the broadcast. I mean, usually by the time you get, I don't know, you're sprinting 50. Because he was sprinting the whole time. Like when he went down the sideline, by the way, he ran the ball like he knew what he was doing. I don't know if he has any background with kick or punt returns or anything like that, but he sure looked like it. He was sprinting down the sideline full speed. And then oh, when yeah. he goes to the middle, normally you start going lateral. Now we're doing a lot of lateral yards. Usually at that point, I was like, okay, he's going to start stumbling. He's got to be exhausted. No, then he gets to about Rondell Moore with like 20 or so yards left. And then, bam, he, had, he still had his kick left. He still had his kick left for you sprinters out there. Are you kidding me? I mean, we know that Sidney Brown is in remarkable shape. We know that he's yoked out of his mind. Turns out he doesn't skip the treadmill either. That was unbelievable. The stamina? And you got to factor in the fact that he played defense and had to run all the yeah. way from where, wherever he was, the 40, down yeah. to the goal line. That's another and, 40 yards on top of Jesus. And by the way, did you know why he was even in on that play? 
Uh, no, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize this until I watched it back. Reed Blankenship got hurt like two or three plays before that. He wasn't even going to be on the field, most likely. Reed comes out, so then he's playing that free safety position, and that play happens. Be- I, I mean, that's crazy. He's got to be thinking, wow, I wasn't even supposed to be on the field, and I just had the craziest, best play of my career to this point. So, yeah. listen, overall, very a lot of negatives, and we're going to continue to talk about them. But God, you, got, you can't – that's a special moment for that that young player who we've talked about him a, a lot over the year, especially recently. There are things to like about him. Obviously, he's just right place, right time. Thank goodness you got to make that catch. But the return was really impressive. It was. I was the lone bright spot of the defense. Felt we had to bring it up. And you know what? I just I just kind of realized this. That was that was the first time I felt happy talking about the Eagles that one play in probably the last four weeks. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, I mean. It makes it exciting that a young talent that we have is doing something. It's just crazy for as many great picks as we've had in this last draft. You would really, I mean, Jalen Carter, but he, Jalen Carter is awesome. So I, yeah, I don't want to overshadow that. And he had, he had a really nice play. He, he had a decent game. I know people want to say Kyler's should have stayed up on that sack, but his, he did a beautiful bull rush and then kind of, kind of a little bit of a swim it was kind of like a double move in that he bull rushed him and then he still had like the agile move kyler falls down but i think he was kyler put a lot of weight forward because he was he was expecting to get whacked by Jalen carter so i must thought he was maybe trying to compensate for that uh that was a really impressive rush i, I know they wanted to focus on the fact that kyler should have stayed up but I, I thought it was a very good rush by carter one of the few one of the few good rushes by that uh freaking pass rush what a joke what a joke that pass rush was. I'm sorry. They got rid of the ball fast, but what a joke. Get out of here. They're getting blown off the line on both run plays and pass plays. When When's the last time? I, actually, I think I have the stat here. Uh, the edge rushers have not had a sack in the last six games. Let me find this here. It, it was uh, last five games. Yeah. The last time the Eagles did not have a sack by a edge rusher, uh, it was sorry three straight weeks. Last time that happened was 2007. So it's been 16, the, 16 years. Team or the Eagles specifically? No, th- this is Eagles specifically. Okay. The last time in franchise history they've gone three straight games without an edge rush sack was uh, 2007. I'm trying to pull it up here just because the one of the weirdest things ever happened in this game and it was just a combination of it was in large part because of the cardinals offense um just nickeling and diming right um and just eating up a lot of clock because of that how weird was it when the cardinals they got the ball with oh i want to get this right here the two drives they had at they they owned the second quarter they had the ball for Almost an entire quarter of football. and Yeah, the only time we touched the ball was right at the end of the half and then the interception return, right? Right. That whole drive started. The Cardinals got the ball with 36, le- uh, 36 seconds left in the first quarter. All right, and that ended in the thing we were just talking about, the Sidney Brown interception. So, obviously, they get the ball right back. And then they have the ball until a minute – 
they even got it past the two minutes. They got the ball until a minute 50 in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. A minute 50. They had it for almost an entire quarter, starting with 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 36 seconds left in the first quarter. Then they have two drives back to back because interception touchdown and the Eagles don't get the ball back until a minute 50 is left on the clock. That's insane. It's almost 14 minutes of game time that you, they had the ball consecutively. How hard is that? Is so many you have to do so many things right to hold on to the ball for that long. I mean, that is such a long time to hold on to the ball. And you have to do something like you have to almost try to be so bad at defense to not be able to get an offense off the field in 14 straight minutes. In some ways, I give the Eagles offense a ton of credit. Because you have to realize the Cardinals got the ball to start the second half, correct? They did. Yep. So if the Eagles go three and out there, the Cardinals would get like potentially like 20 minutes of offense in a row, right? Because if the Eagles go three and out, Cardinals gets the ball back one more time, and then it's halftime probably. And then they get the ball again. It's like the Eagles offense, I give them credit that they were able to reestablish a flow after sitting on their keister for a whole quarter. And, and there's a ton of pressure to do so because they weren't going to get the ball back guaranteed after that. But it's unbelievable ball control there by um, by the Cardinals. And, I mean, I think I think you brought it up. The, the linebackers specifically oh. are – embarrassingly bad and it's not just the the talent i think a lot of it has to do with scheme like the defense was really bad with sean desai and i'm i I would argue that it has gotten worse now with matt patricia i would agree there's no aggressiveness for example that that last touchdown to michael wilson on the on the edge right that was that was the second to last touchdown against Keely Ringo, he's, he's got five-yard cushion, standing flat-footed, and he runs right inside oh, yeah. of him. So flat-footed. And he doesn't press him. So you're flat-footed, and you're not really – you're you're lining up like you're going to press, but he really didn't, right? He hardly yeah. pressed him He didn't him move. All. It was what – what was the idea there, pal? There was another play. Uh, it was actually the final touchdown that – James Conner scored all six uh, defenders that were off the ball were moving in some different direction because they didn't know where they were going. And it wasn't because the Cardinals were putting people in motion. There was one guy who went in motion right as the snap happened, but all six guys playing off the ball, safeties, corners, they're like running sideways, trying to figure out where they go. Hassan Reddick gets, pinned down inside why he's playing an interior defensive position on that play. I don't know. There was a guy named Patrick Johnson. Did you know Patrick Johnson played for the Eagles? Uh, No, I don't know Patrick. No, me either. But number 48 was the guy that was closest to James Conner on that play. He was playing defensive end. Never heard his name. Why is he on that play? I don't know. And then you have Byard and Bradbury standing in the hole when James Conner is running through it. He's got about a four-yard gap. And those guys just stand there on the on the end line, just waiting for him to get there. There's no urgency. This team looks like they don't give a shit. And I'm starting to feel that way about this Eagles team. Yeah. 
I was I was watching the second half with apathy. I'm just like, I'm not surprised anymore. I'm kind of over it. It's sad to say. It's funny that you say that about Patrick Johnson because there were actually a number of guys in this game that I had that same reaction to. For example, on that drive that you're talking about, the last drive or the last drive by the Cardinals, mm-hmm. there was a new linebacker in there. He he had like white, I think he was 47. He had like white undersleeves on. I'm trying to pull him up. There's a guy, Ben Van Sumeren. Ben Van Sumeren. Yeah. I think he may have played a little bit last week when we he had did. all of our linebackers hurt, but I didn't see him all game. And then they pop him in there at the end. I don't know if Shaq Leonard got hurt or if they were finally like, Shaq Leonard sucks. Uh, who's that other guy? Ben, uh, bring Ben in, you know, but that's crazy to me to see a player you haven't seen all game pop in there for the most meaningful drive of the game. That seems like an interesting move. There's funny another you- guy. Go ahead. Go ahead. I say funny you bring up Ben Van Sumeren's name because there was one play in particular where his his uh, his play stood out. I don't remember the, the time of the game, but Kyler Murray is back. Hole opens up wide in the middle of the field, and he takes off on a QB draw. The only person in front of him is Ben Van Sumeren, and I counted in real time. It was almost three full seconds that he stood still without moving at his position. He's standing in the linebacker's position for three seconds. You got Mississippis? Three Mississippis. Does not move. And he's the only guy that could tackle Kyler Murray. He's the only guy in the center of the field because he didn't move. He was still standing there. And the, the center releases from the pocket blocks him and then Kyler Murray goes for another like eight yards. Oh, I know the play you're talking about. Yeah. And the center was standing for almost three Mississippis too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They snapped the ball and the offensive line kind of like stood at the line, but the center very quickly ran about three or four yards, which Mm -hmm. if a center runs three or four yards, it's either 100% a run play or they're going to pass it and there's going to be a penalty on the play. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. The set, I feel like it was like a Western showdown. The center it was. Went up three it was they were doing. And then the center <laughs> went, bah, 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 and Ben was dead. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Go back yeah, and re- headlights. rewatch that play. It was shocking. <laughs> I, I was just like, you know, generally you see people moving and then some caught yeah. my eye. I'm like, that guy didn't move. He was standing there for three seconds before he moved. It's like you can hear him thinking out loud. It's like you can hear him going, hmm, this is weird. The center, the center ran to me. I wonder what. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. The processing speed by uh, most players on this team is painful to watch. And it is the most painful to watch the linebacker. The processing speed of the linebacker play is like it's slow motion it's unbelievable and part of the reason colin why they were able to pass so easily and so successfully for four five six yards is because they did play actions and it's i i'm sure it wasn't every single play action but it felt like every single play action the linebackers took for ever to realize that it was not a run play and then there's you know in typical play action there's a a running back or or a tight end that just kind of spits out and they're wide open because who normally covers them 
the linebackers are safeties and they're still trying to figure out it's not a run play. And then the other in the opposite direction, the same thing happened. I showed you at least one video where it was um, there's like delayed reactions to, to runs like they they just I don't understand how they are so confused at every offense that's in front of them. And to me, that can only be a coaching thing. That every single player looks so we never look prepared, dude. We never look like the defense sniffs out a play. You know, we we never look like oh we saw that one in the film room ever, ever. Certainly not this game. They didn't punt the ball one time, but that's a that's such a big concern that they never look on top of a play. Like they never, especially pass plays. But man, one one other name I want to throw out there, and I apologize in advance because I'm going to say his name wrong. But it's actually a guy who I'd never heard of, never seen before, and he had some sweet plays. Uh, I believe number 72 um, is correct. Yeah. Moro Ojamo. Yes. Um, I guess he was our seventh round pick out of Texas. He's a defensive tackle. He actually had, I counted two. I saw him in there. I was like, who is 72? Because normally you'll see, what is it? 95 to, to up to, to below two. You'll see him. I didn't see him. I wonder if he's maybe hurt or something because I thought it was weird to not see him in at all. And maybe that's why Morrow comes in here. But, dude, he had at least two that I saw great plays against the run. Really disciplined at the defensive tackle position. Um, one where he kind of – Brandon Graham got, like, the big credit for the big play, for a good play, but it was really number 72 who kind of flushed the offensive line and allowed Brandon Graham to get a very easy tackle for loss. And then he had another play. Uh, where he had a great, a great play against the run where he just shedded the block. That's another thing. This, these linebackers and safety, they do not shed blocks. If you put a body on a body, you can go ahead and cross that, that matchup out. You're good to go. They do not take good routes to the ball and they do not shed blocks. I don't know that I've ever seen Morrow or Shaq Leonard shed a block in my life. Maybe it's crazy. To the point where one guy can even block two people because that happened. Uh, and, and around to James Conner, I believe. Uh, Morrow was head up on the tackle or the defensive end, and Ben, ben Sumerin was out of, out of position and fell over Morrow, who had just gotten blocked. <laughs> but you're so right. They can't shed blocks. They can't. It's, it, it, it's embarrassing. You're you're so right, and there's almost not much to say about it. But as soon as one of them gets locked up in a defensive block or an offensive guy engages him, they're done. That guy's out of the play. Like you said, cross the next off him. He's he's out of the play. Yeah, they just don't. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to. There is, apart from Jordan Davis in the middle, and there are some Fletcher Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter. Those D tackles are decent at either just like winning their block or shedding at times. But man, once you get outside of those three, there's nothing really that scary. Josh Sweat is painful to watch. There is one play, again, just like an incredible lack of awareness, especially, I don't know why our edge rushers, they love to go after the quarterback. Every edge rusher does, right? But they always seem so ill-prepared and surprised when it's a run play. You know, they just seem like they lack a lot of discipline on run plays 
And I guess you, you're either way, if you're an edge rusher, you're trying to get off the ball there. But there's one play where the it was a run play. Sweat hit his man, kind of was winning the block. And um, the running back just ran right next to him. And instead of him like getting an arm out or anything like that, you could literally see the running back slowly pass sweat. And then it was like, wait a second, was that the ball? And then sweat like turns around and then chases him and, and helps bring him down. But just the processing speed feels so slow. Um, and the more we talk about it, it's interesting because as we talk about it and we have some of these conversations together out loud, part of my brain for some of these things is, yeah, this is clearly, I, I correlate that I connect that with coaching. But then we talk about some of these other things like shedding blocks um, and more of the physical skill set type stuff. And I'm like, that's personnel. So at, at the end of the day, it is definitely both. But I'm sorry, there's good enough personnel that they should be getting something more out of this defense. And I don't know. I don't know what the whole dynamic is even like right now, because I don't know if it's a situation where. Are, are, there's kind of two cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Like if you ever tried to problem solve or work on a, a big problem and there's like two people that are barking out orders, it will not ever work. And I could also see a defender, a, a player in that defensive room being like, wait, like who do I go to with this question? Who do I listen to right now? Do I take this to Patricia? Do I take this to uh, Desai? Like it's got to be confusing to some degree. Right. So and that's on Syria. And this is why let's at least learn from this. And not that I was necessarily or either of us was calling to get rid of a lot of people were. I don't think that either of us were saying get rid of a coordinator or change a coordinator. Right. Because yeah. you have to realize how much that shakes up the entire culture. The <sighs> it feels like we're starting back at square one and we have to do the develop the chemistry and understand the system all over again, but it's the end of the year. These guys look lost in the system they're in right now. And maybe it's in part because they changed the coordinator and now they're having to relearn a whole nother system and scheme. Stupid. That was a stupid call. Even if, even if this, I, I, I just think that was, that was a really stupid thing to do. Everything starts from the top. The coordinators are put in position by Sirianni. And if the coordinators do not succeed, ultimately that comes down to Nick Sirianni. Now, I think Howie Roseman deserves a lot of blame for how bad the defense is. He let five of our best players last year just walk out the door. TJ Edwards, I would say, is at the top of the list of players that you could have and should have kept. Because he got a very minimal offer from the Bears, one that the Eagles could have matched, and he just walked out the door. Undervalued, the, and that is a clear example of just undervaluing the position, I would say. They have never valued the linebacker position very highly. But for whatever reason, they're, they're getting worse, and they're, they're valuing it even less. I've One of us has said it before, but like Alex Singleton was a very competent, decent linebacker who you were able to bring from the CFL, and you let him go. Quincy Gardner-Johnson, great safety. Marcus Epps had a great year last year. Let him go. Now, Javon Hargrave got a lot of money from the Niners. Yeah. That I get. They have plenty of, of defensive linemen. 
and they and they did a good job of replacing that position, yes. right? With yeah. Jalen Carter, you know, Jordan Davis has played better this year, but he he's kind of disappearing. I, enough of the uh, the rookie wall. I mean, it's his second year. I I feel like we're not seeing a lot of Jordan Davis, but Matt Patricia. You can see the confusion on the defense. Mm -hmm. uh, the one play I screenshotted and I sent to you earlier. Wide receiver goes in motion across the formation. Avante Maddox is following him. It was his first game back. He didn't play great, but it was good to at least see him back. He played awful. He played terribly. He yeah. gets a bit of a pass, right? Because it was the first it's his game. first game back. And he's jumping in. First game back, and he's jumping into a extremely dysfunctional defense. a shit show he's jumping yeah. into a shit so, show it is what it is but he did have an awful game yes and he wasn't even in that much from what i saw he was like at best 50 percent of plays i think it felt like yeah it, it felt like he was out a lot but anyways i didn't i didn't want or uh i didn't want to completely crap on the guy when it was his first game back but he 100%. did he did have a terrible game but the receiver is going in motion across the formation avante maddox is trailing him and Nick Morrow is up on the on the line of scrimmage. Whether he's going to rush or drop back in coverage, I don't know. But he is looking at the at the receiver going across the formation and decides to follow him because he doesn't see anybody doing it. Now, this is something I've heard talked about a lot, especially in hockey. I've heard it from our boy Jason Bertitis, who does our opening. If you worry about doing someone else's job, then you have two people not doing your job. Do your job and don't worry what everybody else is doing. Focus on what you're doing because that was exactly what happened. He was worrying about what Avante was doing and he decided to try and, and cover up for him. And then you have two people out of position and you had no one in the middle of the field, which is exactly where the pass went. It was a nine yard completion. Yeah. Another thing real quick. Uh, Hassan Reddick. On the Avante Maddox, real quick. On the Avante Maddox, ahead, ahead, while we're ahead. there, keep that, keep that. I mean, I'm with you. I want this conversation. I want to have, but the first, I, if it wasn't the first play of the game, it was one of the first couple plays of the game when the Cardinals Cardinals were on their first offensive drive. They did a play action to the right, and it was the Trey McBride like twenty some yard pass. Well, you only air yardage was only like five yards, but then no one was near him. Man, that's a tough watch. Watch Avante Maddox act like he has like a rookie who's never yeah. seen a play action before in his life. That was, that was painful. That was painful. That was a welcome back. And and to me, that's not, that wasn't, that was just bad. I identifying on his part. I, that always just blows my mind so much too, because you're, you have your assignment. You're lined up on that side of the field I like that you want to get in there and help on that play, but you got to make sure you're probably not going to make or break the run stop on that play. I would hope. And dude, just take an extra half second to make sure that Trey McBride, the guy they throw to a lot, isn't see, you know, seeping out on the other side there. That was tough to watch. That was, I could hear him in my head going, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Bad, but anyways, and he and he was targeted a lot, by the way, in the fourth quarter. Come comeback, quote unquote, drive by the Cardinals. Yeah, I think this is just a a sum of parts in the fact that 
what they decided they decided the defense wasn't working. They decided that Desai wasn't working. So they went to Patricia, who seems like he has a completely different defensive philosophy. And trying to incorporate that with five games left to go in the season has just been an absolute mess. Hassan Reddick was out 38%, in coverage. 38%, by the way. Snaps. Of, oh, Avante play. Nice. Good, good pull on that. Hassan Reddick, who is by all accounts the best pass rusher the Eagles have, was in pass coverage. Ten plays. Was it ten? I heard seven. Ten. Ten? Wow. Why? Why? That makes no sense. That's cool. Because they have no linebackers. That's why. Because no, none yeah. of the linebackers can cover. He's Patricia's trying to maybe just like outbrain himself and everybody. Yeah. Analysis by paralysis by analysis via Matt Patricia. Yeah. He's trying to out outsmart and coach to the uh, weaknesses of his defense, but it's only making it worse. Yeah. It, it, instead of embracing the strengths, you know, Hassan Reddick, too. Think about how that could affect the culture, too. A guy that is on, I think, a contract year. He is known as a pass rusher. That is what he does. And you're putting me, you're putting me in coverage 10 times, bro. I, I've rushed the quarterback, bro. What are you talking about? 10 times? Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane. And then, and then you gotta, you gotta think of like the human aspect of these players. <clears throat> They're seeing the absolute shit show that is the coordinators, the way it started from Sirianni on down. And they're they're they got to be throwing up their hands and be like, I don't know what you want us to do here. We're getting told four different things. None of it is working. I, I would I would frankly like throw my hands up and be like, screw it too, if I was one of them. Um, and it's you, you talk about between the Phillies and the Eagles at the beginning of the year. This was a destination city, man. This is yeah. a place that everybody wanted to be. It's fun, positive vibes. Vibes are high. Uh, we're good. We're really good. We have a fun coach. We got a fun culture. Dude, to your point, people are like probably thinking, now get me out of this toxic situation. Get me out of here, dude. Absolutely. One more rant I got to go on, too. Go for it. And this is going to lead to, we should talk about Nick Sirianni. What are we doing? By the way, we already said it at the beginning of the pod that they outcoached us. Um, Gannon outcoached Sirianni, which is crazy. I just have to hear myself say it out loud. It's true, though. That onside kick was a high, high, high IQ play call. And it was a high IQ play call because, first of all, you had a shot to get it. Low chance. Low chance. Great play by Ricks, by the way. Mm -hmm. Great play by Ricks to get that because that, that thing was coming in hot. And he probably wasn't expecting it. I certainly wasn't expecting it. He makes a phenomenal play. But a high IQ coaching call by Gannon because he's going, hey, the last drive, these guys had the ball and, and most of the time have had the ball. They just mow their way down the field, much like the Cardinals were doing to us. Our, our O-line was dominating, especially that last drive, right? 
and he's thinking there's between five and six minutes left on the clock. If we kick this ball down the field, there's a pretty good chance that they can just end this game on a Jake Elliott uh, field goal. He knows Jake. He knows that man. He knows he's got a big old boot. He's thinking, okay, we're going to kick it onside and hopefully get it. But even if we don't, we're probably guaranteed to see the ball again. Whether we need a field goal or a touchdown, I don't care. I want my offense back on that field, right? And he does just that. We hit a nice slant route to A.J. Brown. But even if we even if we run several more plays and end that drive in a touchdown, Cardinals offense gets the ball back, and we have literally not stopped them. One time, we stopped them one time with interception. They hadn't punted one time the whole game. So very high IQ play call. I love it. I, I'm I'm very impressed. Surprised that surprised. I, I didn't think he was that kind of a guy, but we now to us on that drive. We go into that drive. Nick Sirianni, and this is Nick Sirianni because he has to be the guy that tells his coordinators what they want, right? Maybe he's not calling the plays, but he's he's got to be the guy that's saying, hey, let's play aggressive. Hey, let's go for the first down. Hey, let's just go for the field goal. You know damn well that defense hasn't stopped the Cardinals all game. And you are going to coach for a field goal. You're going to coach for a field goal. This is the same defense that let up a game-winning touchdown to Drew Locke. Backup Seahawks quarterback with no timeouts and under two minutes left. It's the same defense that almost blew it to the New York Giants. This defense has been awful, and not even just recent history. Look at the stats of this exact game. Go for the first down. The one thing you've done exceptionally well in this game is offense, and it's first and 20 because of uh, second and 20, whatever it was, because of an unfortunate holding call, bad hold by my Lada, but he kind of got, we talked about this in a previous pod, when the running back bounces out, doesn't go through the lane, it can be shitty on a tackle. You know, he's got to know when to mm-hmm. let go. Bad hold, got put in a tough spot by Swift, who bounced out a lot of runs that game that I thought he shouldn't have bounced out. But I digress. Then you're going to do Back to so it was first, it was first and 20 because then they do back to back quarterback runs. One quarterback run, okay, cool. And by the way, those exact plays, I watched the film, those were the exact same for what I could tell quarterback runs they did the previous drive. So it's this is the drive. This is the drive where you you put you do the play that the defense doesn't see coming, that the defense hasn't seen in, in this game or maybe on film at all. And the the drive previously where the Eagles successfully went down the whole field, they did a quarterback run three times on that drive. And two out of three were moderately were successful. The third one that was unsuccessful was that like minus seven yard. And I looked at the formation and the play call, and I am telling you, the two quarterback runs that they did back to back were the two that they had moderate success on the previous drive. The defense just saw that play. They just saw it like 10 minutes ago in real time. It Are was you the serious? same. <laughs> when they went back to back, the second one was the same exact play, just to the other side. 
You think a defense is 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 not smart enough to pick that up? The, the formation was slightly different, but I'm telling you, it was the same identical play to the last drive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. the idea was the same, but literally they just saw that they just flipped it. They're like, "Oh, let's run it the other direction." They'll never know. Like, and it's so it's not the bubbles. The bubble scream is obviously a, a pathetic call play, but to me, it's the second down play because on second down there, when it's second down and 15 or 16, that's when you go, Hey, are we going to go for this freaking touchdown and try to win this game? Or are we going to take it ease? And they said, we're going to do another quarterback run. We're going to take it ease. The bubble screen was a product of the second down play because once it's third and 17, you're not going to probably be able to draw up a play call. I'm not saying that it's the right call to bubble screen, but to me, that whole idea for that drive is we're good with a field goal, which is such bullshit because your defense had one stop all game, man. Nick Sirianni and this all this rant, I know I'm going off. This whole rant leads to the point that Nick Sirianni should 100% be on some sort of a hot seat because that was pathetic coaching and that was top bottom. It's pathetic. How he's handled this whole situation has been very poor. Uh, His lack of aggression. He's supposed to be an aggressive coach. Show some faith in your guys. Show some faith in your quarterback. Listen, our defenses suck today. If we're going to win this game, we're going to put it on the offense. We're not going to put it. We're not going to kick a field goal and hope that our defense magically figures something out. What? I mean, you can change the whole vibe in the clubhouse. If you go balls to the wall, offense, get it done. AJ Brown hurts. Let's holy out for a third. Job. I don't care. You know, like that was a chance. That was a chance to turn, turn the vibes around and they were passive and they yeah. lost because of it. And you saw A.J. Brown walk off the field after that drive, absolutely disgusted and shaking his head. And I don't blame him. He had that one play called for him. Other than that, Nick Sirianni and the offense, just we're going to lay down. We're going to settle for three. You can't play that way in the NFL. You can't win that way in the NFL. Not when your defense is that. No, no. That's being being myopic and blind to the fact – like that's just ignoring – the glaring weakness that is your defense and just assume, like willing or, or trying to just, I don't know what the word is. Just imagine that the defense is going to stop them after they have it the entire game. You can't do that. You have to accept and realize what is going on around you while you're making decisions. And what message does that send to your offense? You know, the offense that's watching this defense blow every single lead that they get that, what message that we I said about the message that it's not sending, but what message is it sending? You know, the, these guys, the we're at a point with this team where I do believe the coaches are preventing some of the players from playing or being yeah. their best. They're not allowing the players to get to their maximum potential. Uh Dude, it's, it's that could have been that could have been a Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas. Like that could have been an epic yes. putting the foot down. No, no. Yeah. But we called two quarterback runs and a bubble screen. That's soft. That is soft. That I can't stand. That's on Nick Sirianni. It's can't have oh. it. 
That's and that goes uh, against the culture that I re- feel like he preaches. You know, yeah, I feel like it went against his entire thing. Which, if you do that, what do we? What are we? What even are we? Are are we? Are we entering a phase of Philadelphia Eagles football where a coach is not going to last more than four years? Oh, we might Dude. be because it went from it went from Chip Kelly to Doug Peterson. Both of which were really good in years like two and three. Well, Chip, it was three years. Year one was good. Doug was really good in year two and three and then fell off a cliff. Nick Sirianni, really good in year two. And for the uh, first half of year three, really damn good. We were like, all right, we got our coach. And all this, it's fallen off a cliff once again. And this, this is faster than anything that happened with Doug Peterson. I mean, this is like, they were 10 and one. Considered yeah, the best team in football, point. and yeah. now within five weeks, they are. They, people are asking whether this team is going to win a playoff game. Yeah. When they they had a two game lead in the entire NFC four weeks ago, I have a I have a stat right here. Uh, shout out Courtney, she sent this to me. Shout out. Four exactly four weeks ago. Now this was on Sunday uh, after the game, so it was thirty days now. But a a month ago, the Eagles were ten and one. Hertz was the MVP favorite. They had the number one run defense, the number six overall defense, the number four passing offense, and the number four rushing offense. And every one of those stats slash things you could hold your hat on. Are no longer. Yeah. Here's one. What another stat? While we're, I have a bunch that Ruben Frank. Ruben Frank wrote a whole article of mind blowing stats. Rube, uh, he's we love, got stats. We love. Dude. We love Rube. Uh, this is the third team in NFL history to start ten and one or better, and then lose four of their next five. <laughs> wow. The first was the 1986 Jets. Uh, whose offensive coordinator was ex-Eagles coach, Rich Kotite. Okay. Wow. And, and, well. and the other was a team that we all kind of laughed at and saw the writing on the wall was the 2020 Steelers, who were 11-0. and And we're all like, ah, this team's not that good. They're going to lose. And they did. And they did. And a lot of Eagles fans were looking at the way the – this team had won games in the first 10 weeks of the season, especially the Chiefs-Bills game. They're like, that's not ideal. It's not how you want to win games, but they won. And then all of a sudden, every little ugly flaw seems to be popping up at the same time. Mm. So they're just a little tidbit there. Uh, man. I, I think Sirianni is on the hot seat, to be honest. And I think he should be. Because of how it's all gone down. Yeah. yeah. And what is he contributing right now? You know what I mean? Think about it like that. What, what is he? He's typically, he may not be the world's greatest X's and O's guy, but he seems to be able to connect with players and is typically really good at kind of culture creating and being aggressive when it's needed. I would say, or some of the things that I've liked about him mm-hmm. over the last um, year and a half, whatever. I don't know if I feel like much of that is feeling very true right now about this team at this moment, this point in time. No. I, they're, 
it feels like there's a lot of divide. Uh, we don't know what's going on in the locker room, but if you just look yeah. at the way like players are carrying themselves, body language, AJ Brown specifically, it, there just seems to be no chemistry and internal belief in this team. There's no like when they score a touchdown, yeah, they're all gathering together and celebrating, but mm-hmm. you don't see that camaraderie, that like will for your man next to you to succeed that I feel like we've seen in years past. You just don't see it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And it, I guess it goes back to your point that you've made in previous pods where Hertz, there's some positive to Hertz being kind of the even keeled quiet all the time guy stoic all the time but sometimes you do need that guy to stand up um and fight for your team and be the glue uh i had a coach one time when i was in my great high school sports days where we were it was high school baseball and we uh just somehow snuck into like the last seat of the playoffs we weren't a very good baseball team in our first playoff game ever, um, we're getting crushed. I think the first couple innings we let up over four more runs and we haven't scored yet. We're getting crushed. So what do you do when that's happening? Tail between the legs, you go quiet, you go stoic, you go cold, right? We are in the field. We just let up some more runs. Our manager, Jack Dude, stands up in front of everyone, in front of the dugout and goes, so what? So what? And I'm like, tails tails not between legs i'm like oh shit (laughs) belief you know what i mean belief yeah like coach do you not know we're down six runs to zero we shouldn't even be in the so what in front of everybody right unapologetically confident and bring our belief back And, and i just say that story to say who is that on this team we come back and win that game by the way Who's the guy? Who's the guy that's yelling in front of everybody who, even though we are blatantly falling apart and losing, you're still willing to go. So what we're, we freaking got this, you know, who is, who is that for this team? I don't know. It's a lot of moping right now. It's a lot of bad body language right now. And I'm not sure uh, if we have that guy on offense or on defense, that's going to reel it all back in somehow. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. It used to be B Doc, obviously, and I feel like for a little while there, it might have been Jason Kelsey or Fletcher Cox. Those those two guys are they're past their prime to where they they're gonna get up in in the huddle and really juice everybody up. And you play that many years in the NFL you can't really come up with new stuff to say. So their message mm-hmm. has probably gotten stale to a certain extent that, yeah, you bring up a great point. I can't think of a guy on that team who is the, what used to be Brian Dawkins, who's going to get in the face of everybody else in the huddle and be like, so what? Yeah. That's I, I love that. I love that saying. I might and, use that. And, and it's hard too, right? Because if you feel in your heart that your coaches are your coach or coaches, and I guess most specifically the defensive coordinator and the defensive coach situation, if you feel like that is part of the problem, then it's hard to stand up and say, so what? Because like you're kind of in a battle amongst yourself in a way, mm-hmm. right? 
uh, it doesn't feel like it feels like it's muddied. It doesn't feel like it's a clear cut me against you. It's me against kind of us a little bit and also you. And and that is so deflating, I'm sure, and so uninspiring when you can't get on the same page. Uh, with your own coaches or whatever the heck's going on in the locker room. I was, I was, I got to say, I was really especially disappointed as you could probably tell with my rant about that last drive that the Eagles had, because we've been really frustrated this year with play calling and feeling like it's been very bland and very predictable. And man, Colin, when they had that uh, second or third and long, the first touchdown pass when they threw that pass to Julio Jones, I felt like, Oh my gosh, we're getting creative. And then there was another play earlier in that drive where it was a play action. Dallas Goddard was kind of hunched over uh, between the behind the other linemen. It was a third and short play and he was kind of hunched and went in motion last second, but he was almost like hiding behind the linemen. Then they did a play action and he just snuck out on the right side, catches it, kind of reminiscent of the McBride play a little bit where they got 20 yards. I think Goddard got like a 20 yard gain on that play. And I think that was the same drive where later we throw a touchdown pass to Julio Jones. It felt very much like a play where we said, Hey, look, AJ Brown's out there, runs across the field, pulls the defense. And then in the other direction, we hit in the corner of the end zone, a wide open Julio Jones. I got so excited when I saw that because I went, Oh my gosh, like, we're getting creative where you were making plays off of these other tendencies. Like we always go to AJ Brown in the end zone. And now because we always do that, we can get a wide open Julio, you know? And, and, and again, we hit Julio again uh, later in the game for a second touchdown. And I, and I thought we may have been turning the page and then we have the, the fourth quarter where it's this, we've seen those play calls a million times. And if we've seen them a million times, we know the defense has seen them probably more. So, yeah, just as, it felt like an especially so a slap in the face because I thought maybe we got past that a little bit. But, alas. And speaking of play calling, you know what else I'm sick of? Doing the tush push on third down. Mm. Why, you are limiting yourself to a maximum of two yards. How many times would other teams in the past or this year, any year in the past on a third and one do a play action dive play and then open it up and get 15 yards down the field because the defense wasn't expecting it. When you get into the tush push formation, uh, other than the few wrinkles that they have added in, which was nice to see, but you can only add so many of those in there until the defense knows those are coming too. Yeah. You, why would you're limiting yourself to a three yard gain at most when you have the entire field at your disposal? That is a good point. That is the downside to it for sure, right? Because that could be a play action type play where you hit a busted coverage type situation. It's a good point. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah. You're getting yourself a, a first down. But why, why would you limit your opportunity for yardage and to keep the keep the ball moving down the field. And it's really, it's just, that's happened a couple of times the last two weeks. And it's really bothered. And if it's just one yard, truly just one yard. Um, and your success rate is that good with the tush push anyways, let's do yeah. something here. And then if we get fourth and one, we feel pretty good about that. Like, is know? that a lack, is that a lack of trust in the offense as a whole? Is that mm-hmm. thinking Jalen hurts might make a mistake, take a sack, throw an interception, 
I don't know. I, I, I wish I understood what Nick Sirianni was saying. I just I feel like we're not and have not seen brand new plays that we're like, oh, I like not not even gadget plays, just like, oh, that that was a real like the one to the Julio. That was probably a, a play that they hadn't run very often, but it's you just feel like you don't see new exciting plays. And to your point, if we as fans are recognizing the plays that they're running week in and week out, you're damn sure a defense is doing the exact same since it's their job and they're being paid millions of dollars to stop what you're doing. I'm still convinced that Alabama overtime play was a a direct pull from uh, the Eagles quarterback draw where they throw the running back in motion and then hit the uh, quick sneak. Um, I digress. A quick, we have to do a quick shout out though. Kenny Gainwell. By, by Kenny no, that, Gainwell. that Pat, yeah. I didn't former know quarterback like- Kenny Gainwell. Former Donovan McNabb super yeah. fan Kenny Gainwell. He was us. He is all of us. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was, that was something new we all learned on the broadcast. You know what made that play even better and even more, uh, what's the word, deceiving? Is that who knew Kenny Gainwell? I didn't. I didn't know he was left-handed. <laughs> Me neither. I was just gonna say, is he left-handed? He must he be. Threw he threw it with his. Le- he's either left-handed or he's ambidextrous because he threw that ball with his left hand. So it makes the play even more. Uh, like, I, I listen. If you're on the defense and a, you know that Kenny Gainwell has thrown in the past, and b, you also know he's left-handed, you have obviously no personal life and I, and I salute you for that but to have a guy that can throw the ball and he's also left-handed talk about a tricky 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 little play there you know there's I, just just I mean there's one quarterback in all of football that's left-handed right now that's playing at least well. so it is a very rare thing to see for whatever reason in football so I thought it just added to the trickery in a in a in a fun way it's a great play great it was a good play, play. Now the safety on that or gun or whatever it was, uh, yeah, I guess it was the safety. Didn't have the best play on the on the route, but good pass, very Pretty good pass. pass. Pretty good yeah. pass. Oh, I don't Smith, even. By want the way, in a boot allegedly. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, it is only Tuesday. That's downfall of talking on Tuesdays. Is the injury report doesn't normally come out till Wednesday, so we will have to see what is going on there with Devonte. Hopefully it's not about a sprain. He's definitely not going to play this week. Just for sure. Yeah. It's almost like a meaningless game at this point. Right. I mean, well, it are they lo- be, except for the fact that we haven't played good football. So it puts you in almost like a bind of if, you know, like you don't want the last time your starters were on the field to be that Cardinals game in a way, you know? Yeah. They're locked. They're locked into the fifth seed. There's something if Dallas loses that they would increase it would increase their seed. I did hear okay. that. Okay. Dal- sorry, you're you're right. But what are the odds that Dallas win uh Dallas loses and we win? What are the odds of the Eagles losing to the Cardinals? Probably similar odds. I to be honest, I thought the Eagles Cardinals game was going to be close. I think I had it at like 28-19. <laughs> I never I never I thought it was good. I felt like Thanks, they still man. weren't they weren't going to get out of the hole. I didn't think they're going to lose, but I still thought it was it was going to be like the Giants game where they win but we still had 
so many questions and not enough answers. And I never thought they were going to lose. It it was pathetic. Their best receiver is Greg Dorch, Colin. Greg Dorch. Who I, the hell is Greg Dorch? I um, and I also got nervous. I, I heard some either today or yesterday that Devontae Maddox had like an X-ray or something after the game. Yeah. I don't remember him getting hurt at any point in time, but he I did. Got, he got rolled up on in, it was like their second to last drive. I think it was. I remember him getting like helped off the field. Didn't look good. Is Bradley Roby on the team still? I think so. I yeah, wasn't sure if like if they activated Maddox. Obviously, usually that means uh, that someone has to be deactivated. And I don't remember seeing Roby on the field in that game. That is actually that's a really good point. I don't know. I didn't I didn't look into it. Um Hey Roby, it's it's us again. Hey, how you doing, bud? <laughs> hey, uh sorry about last week, but you any chance you want to come back again? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we uh we kind of need somebody. We need a warm body. We need we could use a warm body. 35 31. Eagles lose to a three and twelve team. That's pathetic. I don't yeah. even want to. I don't even want to do thumbs up, thumbs down this week. If I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. My thumbs up would be my guy. I already mentioned uh, Omo. Ojomo. Omo Ojomo. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? We don't have to. We don't have to like go into it. I was gonna say Milton Williams. You and Ojomo. Yeah, Milton Williams had a sweet play. He. Definitely had no idea there was a fumble, or maybe he didn't. He was just like, I'm not gonna really get that ball anyway, so I might as well get my myself. I don't get many sacks. I might as well get this in. <laughs> I might as well get this in, bro. I don't, I don't know him at all. I don't know. I don't know who a thumbs up would have been. Like Goddard, Dallas maybe Goddard, for sure. Yeah. He's been yeah. playing well, man. Swift, Swift Swift had a pretty good game. Yeah, I six, six carries for 16 yards in the first half. And then he went off for what, like fifty yards on that that one drive. Starts the second lot half. A lot of awesome blocking too. I always have a hard time with giving it to Swift when it's just these like great four or five yard runs because it feels like he is playing a big part in that. Obviously, mm-hmm. but a lot of those runs, it's like man, he feels like he's not even getting touched until three yards. Like there was some really good line play in that. It was our second to last drive, I think, is where he got most of those really good blocking and. I just I wish we had a little more ability to break one of those bad boys, but yeah. And sometimes he just man, he just bounces outside. He gets a little like a happy feet and wants to bounce outside sometimes because the hole's not there. And I get that, but um, that's risky business. You know what I mean? Because you bounce outside sometimes and you're not quick enough. That could be a three four yard loss. He almost had a, a big loss. Um, I think I thought it was in our last drive but he was able to kind of scoot back in, in there. Anyways, yeah, I also, this isn't thumbs up or thumbs down. He didn't have a wonderful game, but I also kind of still like what I'm seeing from uh, Keely Ringo. Except for when he got absolutely uh, one, broke, yeah, broke, one broken play. ankles by Michael Carter, right? For that sure. was him. He got yeah. screwed over. Uh, do, do not get me wrong. This is not a we lost because the refs kind of game. Do not get me wrong. He got very oh, screwed oh over from that call. That was that awful. Was... But I will say this. The drive before that, I think, was the uh, the touchdown pass. I, it wasn't Julio. Who else scored a touchdown pass? Was it? 
No, I don't think it was Julio. Who else scored a touchdown pass? Two Julios and one Goddard. Okay, yeah. The Goddard touchdown where Goddard started on the inside, and it's a play we do all the time. Devontae Smith is on the outside, and Devontae Smith comes in, and he runs the pick play. Oh, yeah, yeah, That should have been a penalty, 100%. Yeah. It is – if you're Jalen Hurts, all you see is number six. There was no effort at all by Devontae Smith to get around and show his hands. And typically that's how they rule. Like if you just go in there and block a guy, you can't do, and it's past, you know, the five yards or whatever it is, which it was, you can't do that. But if you like kind of turn around and kind of like say, Hey, I'm running a route here. Hey, I'm walking here. You're good. (laughs) But he very much just ran into the guy and kind of like shouldered him. That should have been a penalty. So that made me more okay with the uh, Ringo call because I'm pretty sure that was in the drive uh, that ensued after the Goddard touchdown. Yeah, maybe a little makeup call there. And Smith does. Smith, it's crazy to me when guys do that because it's got to be something they practice all the time. Like, get your head around, man. Like, it's a pretty straightforward yeah. thing. And Smith has gotten called. Uh, a couple of times this year for that exact illegal pick play. So I was kind of surprised I didn't call it. So, uh, well, this time next week, we will be hopping on to talk about the Eagles going to the playoffs. Because the Eagles, but (laughs) let's win a damn game first. That's appropriate, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Playoffs. (laughs) I think that's probably going to be the uh, title of next week's, next week's podcast. We're talking about Uh, playoffs. Playoffs. All this time. Team, that is, yeah. Uh, what, what, what was that guy's name? I'm blanking here. I can picture his whole face. Uh, Dan, not Dan Colts, Reeves. Colts question mark? Yeah. Uh, oh, Shanahan. Was it Shanahan? No, no. No, it wasn't Mike Shanahan. Uh, who was that? Uh, I got to look this up. I'm going to. Oh, I got it. If you Jim want. Mora. Yeah. Jim Mora. It was that, Colts, right? Yeah. Playoffs. <laughs> That's yeah, one of the all-time right. all-timers. That up there in Denny Green. They are who we thought they were. We let another, them off the hook. Another one of my favorites is the college coach that was talking about how the, the writers were talking about his players and my, stuff. Mike and, Gundy. I'm a man. Right about I'm me. 40. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> that's such a good one oh my god i get your point but it was funny how specific you were about your age sir <laughs> writing about his kids he's upset he goes right about me i'm a man i'm 40 writing this and that and the third that's not true <laughs> <laughs> they brought that up I, I actually did watch a little bit of college uh college bowl games last week and in the Oklahoma State game, they brought that up. The yeah. the, the broadcast, they're like, "I'm a man, I'm 40, except he's 56, and that was 16 years ago." And we're <laughs> we're getting uh, actually it was Sports Center after the game, but regardless, they're like nice. that was 16 years ago. We're getting old. <laughs> Good pull. Good pull. So that was uh, that was funny. Yeah, next week we'll be talking about a reaction to the Giants game and the Eagles going to the playoffs. Yay! <laughs> Someone bring me a glass of cyanide, please. Yeah, this is a real opportunity for the Sixers or Flyers right now for us. Dude, to, the we, Fly Boys are hot. We need, we need, we need them more than ever. 
We well, need I mean, we still ever. have at least two weeks of Eagles football. Yeah, but for what? If it's anything like the last for who, two for weeks. For what? If, if it's anything like the last two weeks, you know, oh. like, I mean, this team, it's, it's not, it's everything. Like, everyone looks miserable on this team. The sideline. How about the play? It was the last drive, Colin. It was the, the the play in the last drive where they're all in the huddle and they're screaming at the sideline. They got ten guys oh in the huddle. They're screaming at the sideline. I and forgot. it took them. Why? I don't know why we didn't get a delay a game. I don't know why the refs were like, ah, we'll wait, we'll wait. It stuck. It was stuck on twenty five. They didn't do the play clock. That could have easily. And there's a whole other thing we didn't talk about: the fact that we didn't have three timeouts at the end of the game because we had to use two timeouts because we didn't know what the hell we were doing because we have poor coaching. But they're just in the huddle at like the most important drive of the game. I'm pretty sure it was the last drive of the game, and they're just all yelling at the sideline saying they got ten guys. It's utter confusion. <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, oh I forgot. Gosh. I literally. I forgot about that until you just mentioned that. I'm like, how are you an NFL team and you're doing this in the fourth quarter? You had had plenty of time to figure it out because the defense was just on the field for 20 minutes. I saw my mom's high school play for the 3A state championship. They look more fucking organized than the Eagles did in the fourth quarter. Crazy stuff, dude. That's crazy stuff. That's stuff that you should see from a team like the Cardinals, who have four wins all year prior to the game against the Eagles. You know, that was that, that was pathetic. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And extremely. And again, stuff like that, all that kind of stuff is points against Sirianni. And he would agree to that. He says it all the time in his presser. That's all me. Put that on me. And he's right. Yeah, That's well, crazy. Fix it then. Crazy. And then I think you, they end up having to call another timeout because they didn't know what was going on that drive. It's unbelievable. You can keep saying, my bad, my bad, my bad, but if you never do anything to fix it, what What do you – that's just mere lip service. That's all it is. It's really sucks, and, and this will be my last little rant thing, but I tell you what, the context is everything with Nick Sirianni because he is consistent in how he talks, and he's not. he's never been a good speaker. He He's kind of – a little bit long-winded and a little bit dopey and not, not a great communicator. Um, and when the Eagles are doing well and he's not a good communicator, it's like, it's funny and it's like fun. And he's just, he's a culture guy. So I, I don't understand necessarily what he's saying, but the, they seem to like him a lot. So he's just being silly, silly Sirianni, you know, with the, the flowers and the roots and whatever, buddy. But when they are doing this poorly and there's really bad coaching and really bad communication and they're and they're losing to teams that stink. And then he talks like that in his pressers. You are very quickly like this guy's a dope, you know, and and I I'm not saying that I believe that I don't he couldn't have done as well last year. I, I don't believe that, but it does not do well. His pressers do not do well um, when the team performs badly because he really is just he does not sound at baseline like he knows what he's talking about yeah and i know football <laughs> iq and your media persona are two different things 100 percent. but he also one thing that has always bothered me about nick seriani and it pisses me off and that's why i try to not listen to his uh post-game press conferences or even the ones during the week he's so condescending to the media as well, talking to them like they're stupid. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off. It's like, 
yeah, okay, they're not in the locker room with you, but their job is to watch, study, learn, and know almost as much about football as you do. You don't have to talk to them like they're stupid. Yeah. That that always has bothered me, and that's neither here nor there. Nobody gives a shit. It's just something about Sirianni that's always bothered me. And you don't listen. You don't have to be a phenomenal communicator to be a great coach. So it's, no. I'm just saying how it sounds like, for example, Philly fans, Chuck Manuel, that guy never sounded. I don't want to be condescending to Chuck Manuel because we love Chuck Manuel. He was a bad communicator. He sounded pretty dopey, but you know what? Mm-hmm. The boys played for that guy and he yeah. clearly knew baseball, he, he knew and, baseball. And, and how to create a culture, but man, he was pretty dopey in front of a microphone so it's you know it, it's not it just doesn't sound good when the team sucks i guess it's just a aesthetic thing really ah, and, uh, ah. gosh well, what a weird season man <laughs> late late november early december we were like god damn we're going to the super bowl again we are a good football team and Listen. now we're like Jesus, we're going to get our tails whooped in the wild card round by the fucking Buccaneers. They had so much fun last year when they were dogs and when they were over exceeding that this year when they were like 11 and one or whatever it was, they're like, ooh, this is kind of uncomfortable being like the favorite and everything. How can we how can we make this more like it felt last year? <laughs> Dude, they're intentionally setting themselves up for the yeah. underdog role. They are the certainly game. now the Dog underdog. Game. Bring out the dog masks, Lane. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go once again. We all we got. We all we need. <laughs> dude, if they win a playoff game and they bring out underdog mass, I'm going to be so pissed off, dude. You can't At shoot least... yourself in both feet and then call yourself an underdog, dude. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said you're going to, you can't shoot yourself in the foot and then call yourself handicapped. <laughs> yeah, well, suppose not. Axe Plexico Burris. <laughs> That's funny. I'm pretty sure that's the second time we've roasted Plexico. And it's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure we have done that once before. Oh my God. Well, on that note, Dan, I love talking to you. To everybody out yeah. there, happy new year. Um, I can't wait to see you next weekend. Yeah. For everybody for everybody listening, I will be in Pittsburgh during the wild card weekend of NFL playoffs. And I believe we're gonna watch the Eagles game together where we all came together, jumped yeah. us too, south side, and maybe do a victory pod in person. Or maybe mm. I'll throw my laptop into the Monongahela. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. One that of the was two. a good flex. That was a good flex because there's three rivers in Pittsburgh for people that don't know, and that one is always the difficult one to remember. So a subtle flex there by Colin. And it's so also much. the river that is along the south side because the Allegheny's on the north side. Oh, the and he and they just dug. There it is. There's the right hook. Left, left, jab, jab, <laughs> jab, hook. Well done there, Con. I'm impressed. No one circles the Pittsburgh geography like your boy C. Burks. And I only lived there for four years. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I do love Pittsburgh, though. Can't wait to see you, Dan. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully we have some more positive stuff to talk about. Certainly we will probably break down the next game after it happens, but it will probably more so end up being a little bit of a uh, preview playoff situation. So we will see yeah. what the future holds. We get to play in the playoffs. And, uh, and at this point, I feel kind of lucky. Say that. Okay. Yeah. Kind of lucky. The way this team's playing right now, they don't deserve to be, but we're going to be anyway. So here we go. Hey, so you're saying there's a chance, brother.
There always is. It's the NFL any given Sunday. So they say. So they say. Any last words for the people on the way out? Oh, nothing too monumental. Just that an apple a day keeps a doctor away if you throw that apple hard enough. (laughs) I did not see that coming. That was great. (laughs) Well played, Dan. And on that note, (laughs) buzzing. Happy New Year to everybody. This is the Del Valley Sports Pod, and we will talk to you next week. Go, birds. <laughs> Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straight in the curve. In the hills, someday the mountain might get up, but the law never will.